You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, there's so many people with a hand in how this is going to look and work. Uh, Every governor in the country, every university president in the country, every AD in the country are all going to have a say in whether their institution plays football or not. And so there's a a lot of people with hand in cookie jar as far as making this decision. I think we need to be talking about how to get uh, student athletes back to their campuses without risking uh, infection in the communities and the protocol for bringing guys back safely. Uh, Probably also what's the protocol when we inevitably have a, a kid or two that do test positive for this so there's a lot a lot of things and a lot of questions that need to be answered to make sure that when we do this we do it the right way and uh, I think we're asking the right questions but there's probably some more answers that we need to uh, come up with before we move forward and welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan over to Washette Nate Klaus as this is our opening headline segment. You just heard from Scott Frost, um, you know, kind of talking about the fluid discussion that continues with college football as we really don't know uh, what tomorrow brings as there's ideas, there's thoughts from everybody. There's state politics involved with governors and chancellors and presidents and athletic directors making their comments. Um, and that's going to be going on for a long time. So uh, we're not going to get too deep into that because that discussion literally changes by the second, by the minute. Uh, I wanted to get, though, right to what was the breaking news on Wednesday morning. Uh, Noah Vedral announces via Twitter that he is grad transferring. He's a two-year grad transfer uh, to Rutgers. So he will have an opportunity to play Nebraska in Piscataway on October 24th when the Huskers make their second-ever trip Two Rutgers uh, as Big Ten members, and I, I think some surprised by folks, um, some not, um, but a great opportunity for Noah Vedral to start for a Big Ten team for two years. And this is not Rutgers of Chris Ash. This is Rutgers of Greg Schiano, a guy that's won there, um, a guy that's been an NFL head coach. Um, so I, I think the thought there is Rutgers will improve, and Noah Vedral is going to get a chance to be Sean Gleason and uh, Greg Schiano's first quarterback. Well, and I think that had a lot to do with it is uh, the fact that, for one, he's got Big Ten starting experience, and a guy like that hits the transfer market. You know, teams around the league are going to at least do their due diligence. And for Rutgers, I mean, quarterback has been a dire position for them for a long time. And so, I mean, why not, Adam? So, that in a sense makes sense. But then you mentioned Sean Gleason. They run a real similar system now uh, to what uh, Noah has been running under Scott Frost for the past you know, three years. And so that I think played a lot into it making a lot of sense to where Noah was able to transition to another power five school, have an opportunity to compete for the starting job from day one and have a familiar system where it's not going to be a complete overhaul and trying to learn a new offense. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's a, I mean, it's a no, no lose situation for Rutgers when you look at it. I mean, you're talking about a grad transfer with two years left to play who has starting experience under his belt, has played in a system like that, um, is familiar with the Big Ten. I mean, it, there's you could go on down the list, and, and not to mention he's you know he's a pretty good athlete. He's, he's a smart kid. He's a leader. I mean, it's not like he's got any type of baggage. He's not your typical transfer where you know there's a reason why they left or they're running away from something. I mean, he's he is really the perfect grad transfer for, for someone like Shiano, and, and they're turning it around there, or they're trying to. I mean, he's bringing in a lot of transfers. He's, he's recruiting well. He's starting to actually get some players in, to stay home in New Jersey, um, you know, and there's some excitement around the program so um, you know you, you wish Noah the best of luck and, and I think it's probably going to be a pretty good fit 
And then the other uh, big roster move guys, uh, Nebraska um, landed a 2020 commit, a scholarship commit um, from overseas Australian punter Daniel Cherney. Now, it looks like it's pronounced Cerny. Uh, The proper pronunciation is Cherney. We're going to hear from Daniel uh, Cherney in our next segment as uh, I had a chance to talk to him uh, from Melbourne, Australia. Um, But this is an Aussie rules uh, football player um, that you know has been playing semi-pro and professionally um, has been a part of the GWS Giants organization since the age of 13. This guy's 6'4", 220, um, and was one step away from making the AFL before he ultimately decided to join Pro Kick Australia. Robin, this is an organization that's produced 17 All-American punters and five Ray Guy Award winners since 2007. A lot of guys that you watch on Sunday are now Aussie punters. Well, there's going to be a lot of them in the Big Ten this year. There's a couple, or at least over the next couple of years, because you mentioned there's a couple other. Two, uh, there's two kick. 2021 guys, one signed with Ohio State, one with Michigan State. But, Nate, I believe Ohio State's already had one before. Michigan State currently has one already. Um, so it's kind of one of those things. I think once you get a taste of what these guys are and what they bring to the table, um, you kind of want to keep going back and getting uh, another one of these Aussie punters. Right. I mean, they're kind of proven commodities. I mean, the the pro kick, I mean, the record speaks for themselves. I mean, to have one Ray Guy winner would be something to really tout. But they, they've, got, they've produced five. Uh, they've got 17 All-Americans. I mean, that's, that is really, really impressive. And, um, you know, hat tip to, to Coach Rutledge, who obviously had some sort of connection um, and, and knew uh, all about Dylan Cherney and, and you know, kind of put this thing all together. Yeah, you look at Daniel Cherney, and, you know, I think when you watch rugby punters, you just think of all these guys that are – I mean, over the years you almost get pissed off watching rugby punters <laughs> against Nebraska. They just – and it just dribbles it down the field for 50 yards. Well, it's like a 20-yard punt that rolls 30. That's not Daniel Cherney. He can do that. Like, that's part of his skill set. But he can do what he calls spiral punts, traditional punts, and rollout punts. Um, that's both part of the arsenal. I think that's what's attractive about an Aussie punter versus a rugby-style punter. He can put the ball in the air on his highlight film, which, by the way, doesn't exist anymore. It was taken down after he committed so to Nebraska. Um, he, he averaged 4.85 seconds on nine punts. He had one that went – he had three over five. Last year, Nebraska only averaged on the season 3.68 seconds per punt uh, on hang time. So that they're going to get a, about a second or more of hang time on every punt – from Daniel Cherney. It's easy to forget how important that is, but what made Nebraska's special teams so good for you know the better part of a decade was they had guys that could boom the ball, not only distance-wise, but hang it up there and allow their coverage teams to get down the field. When you have a guy that can put the ball in the air for five seconds, suddenly your coverage team looks a whole lot better. And when you're line driving it and guys are you know, catching it uh, basically on the run. The Donovan Peoples-Jones exactly. catching it in the middle of the field on a line drive. You're setting yourself up for disaster. <laughs> And so I think that in itself will do wonders for improving Nebraska's punting game. And uh, another thing you mentioned, Sean, he's going to try to compete for uh, the kickoff job too, yeah. to where, I mean, he's got that big booming leg. If you're putting the ball at the back of the end zone, suddenly your kickoff coverage is significantly better. So uh, that is a huge asset to have that, you know, suddenly just that one player can do wonders across the board for making Nebraska's special teams uh, closer to what it once was for so long. And if you've got a guy that can flip the field consistently and can kick the ball out of the end zone he is worth every cent of that scholarship and if he's doing it for four years I mean that's it's a no-brainer 
Yeah, his uh, highlight reel only had nine punts and kicks on it, and that's all Nebraska watched is my understanding. I mean, they obviously couldn't go out there, um, but Jonathan Rutledge, the new senior special teams analyst, has got a familiarity with them. Aaron Sippos, um, his Auburn punter for the last two years, is a pro kick Australia uh, punter. He just signed a free agent deal with the Detroit Lions, so that connection already paid off. I think there was some question, what's Rutledge really going to bring to the table? Who is this guy? Well, he just basically solidified the kickoff specialist and the punter, and they've brought in multiple place kickers uh, because th- that's been a disaster. Yeah. I mean, we, we all agree. I mean, it's cost Nebraska games. Seriously. And so, you know, I think that despite, you know, not being able to evaluate them that much, the fact that pro kicks reputation is what it is. I'm sure Rutledge just made a call and said, do you got a guy? And they said, yeah, we got a guy. And he said, that's all I need well, to hear. When you have that many yeah. uh, successful NFL and, you know, Groves award winning punters, uh, I mean, that's, that says everything you need to know. Well, and Cherney is a dude. I mean, he's six, four, he is six, four, 220, um, you know, almost six, four and a half. He gave me his height and weight in centimeters and kilograms. <laughs> so I, I had to uh, convert it, but he was six, four and three eighths. Um, you know, so a real, really, really big guy. I mean, this is not just some little five, eight punter with the, with the gut. I mean, this is, this is a physical athlete that was used to full contact. And he goes, I will not be afraid to make a tackle. I'm not going to try an Australian accent because um, the Red Sea Scrolls. You cold at a knife. <laughs> <laughs> we just, by the way, off air, we had to educate Ali on Crocodile Dundee. Great movie that yeah. obviously our 22-year-old intern has not seen. No, she has not. So what this addition, you know, obviously it's unfortunate for a guy like William Priced up. Um, I mean, didn't he leave Michigan State because another Australian? Because they signed an Aussie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. He's got to be throwing his hands up at this point. But uh, this goes to what Frost was saying on the radio the other day, where competition at literally every position. And just because William Price up seemed like the logical incumbent at punter, I mean, he came to Nebraska to be the eventual starter, you got to earn it. And if he can beat this kid out, then, yeah, he will have earned every bit of that role. Well, and I, I think that uh, you, you can't argue with that either. With with what the results were last year, it's not like they didn't give Nebraska a reason to go out looking for somebody like this, um, you know. And so, it's it's just kind of the way it goes. But what's interesting, you mentioned the the highlight film, Sean, how that he took it down. I'm sure Nebraska made him do that or wanted him to do that because it's gone so far. And technically, he's part of the 2020 class, but he can't sign. Uh, any type of paperwork and it's not official until he actually is enrolled in classes and is on campus just like Jakeem Green uh, last year if we all remember we, you know that kind of went down to the wire and there's a chance that you know, I know Texas Tech and a couple other programs were trying to steal him away even though he'd committed you know it was just a verbal until he was actually on campus. Yeah it will be interesting to see now Nebraska with one more spot left in that 2020 class I think conventional wisdom Everybody expects it to be a wide receiver. That's the goal. I know that's what Nebraska would like. And the thought is probably as a replacement to J.D. Spielman, who none of us think he will be back. Um, he's not, you know, he left in, in February or March and uh, haven't seen or heard much, and it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, Nate, I know Keegan Johnson's been a name thrown out there. Um, I mean, is that even a possibility? Kate Johnson. Or, yeah, not Kate Johnson, excuse yep. me. has been. A, is he even a possibility at this point yeah. as, as a potential? He's got to graduate still. Yeah, I think that's the challenge. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, you know, it is interesting because, I mean, he is definitely looking around, I think, or thinking about becoming a grad transfer, but he's got to graduate before he can seriously do that. And I think part of the the original thinking was that that maybe the the one-time transfer rule would have gone into place already and he could have uh, exercised that had he not graduated. But um, I, I do think there's there's definitely some legs to that rumor. I, I think it's something that that it's you know worth paying attention to, keeping an eye on. And I know that a lot of people would be like, well, why the heck would that happen if if his brother just committed to Iowa? Well, um, you know, w- wouldn't he go to Iowa with with uh, Keegan? And uh, I've been told that Iowa is not in the market for any type of senior, you know, grad transfer wide receiver. They're returning a lot of upperclassmen, and so I know Nebraska's situation at wide receiver is a lot more attractive. Than than, uh, than Iowa's. Um, but I'm sure a, an All-American FCS wide receiver is going to have some options on the table if he does choose to do that. And with J.D., I know we got a lot of questions on the chat just about what you know his future might hold. If we assume that he's not coming back to Nebraska, where is he going to end up? It seems like a kind of a unknown situation as to far as far as like what his future does hold i mean will he continue to play football there's been a lot of rumors going around about maybe just his his love of the game and if you're gonna sit there and kind of force it through uh, i mean that's a lot to ask especially for a guy that just left a team uh because he needed to take you know a break for for mental health reasons yeah i don't know if it's as simple as him just going to minnesota getting a waiver and and, and all of a sudden being the jd spillman that we know um, I think there's a lot more to the story as, as we'll follow and learn here in the coming weeks. But we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Daniel Cherney uh, from Melbourne, Australia, Nebraska's latest punter. Um, that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here has told you about uh, Nebraska football's latest edition, uh, over 9,000 miles away here from Lincoln, uh, punter Daniel Cherney. And I think I got that right, and uh, we're, we're pleased to be joined here uh, over the phone via Australia uh, by Daniel uh, here on the Husker Online Show. First of all, Daniel, congratulations on landing here at Nebraska, I'm sure a month or a week or two, three weeks ago, this probably wasn't on your radar. Can um, just talk about how this all even happened for you to, to land at Nebraska? Hey, Sean. Um, thank you so much. It's, it's actually quite an honor and privilege to to sign for, for a school like Nebraska. It's, it's something that obviously hasn't been on my mind for the last 10 years, but for the past, past year and a half or so, um, it's been an aim, aim of mine to sign to play at a, at a college program, um, and I'm, I'm very excited for the future and and what 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 I can do there. Um, so the whole journey sort of started around a year ago. I was playing AFL, AFL football for for a local team called the GWS Giants, playing in their sort of um, second division team to the the full the full team, which was called the AFL. I was playing in the NFL team, um, and I just needed a change up. I just was a bit over it. I was playing it for around eight or so years, um, and just wanted something different. Where and this is when I travelled to America to see a friend, and. Ended up seeing Gridiron 
and fallen in love with it. I ended up coming back, watching quite a few documentaries, reading up on the whole the whole game and how it works. And next thing I know, I'm sending a message to Nathan Chapman and John A. Smith at Pro Kick Australia and telling my mum that I'm pretty much moving to Melbourne to punt. And it was a bit of a bit of a challenge to tell the whole family, a big Croatian family in Canberra, that I was that I was moving away. But they've all they've all gotten behind me, and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. It's it's fantastic at the moment. So, how many months, Daniel, did you have you lived in Melbourne uh, to work on punting? I've been there for nine months now. And is it just been? around the clock training. I mean, give us an idea of, I mean, obviously you've been an Australian rules football player for several years, uh, but what kind of training has gone into converting you into now a division one scholarship punter here in Nebraska? Um, so the training resume is pretty, pretty intense. It pretty much kicks off as soon as I got down there. Starts at the start of the week. It's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. We, we, we train on field. Uh, around a two and a half hour session, pretty much just kicking the ball the whole—not the whole time, but working on technique, working on ball drop, a bit of everything, and breaking down each component component of the punt. Um, and then every second day, we're at a gym session in the morning at a at a gym called Conquest Gym, and this is where we sort of get the mental toughness side of things and start start getting a real taste of what college college like um, workouts are going to be like and how how to deal with them like stress wise um, and then every other day I was either working or going to my own doing my own gym session to just try and get that extra advantage before I came over and yeah that's that's a, that's pretty much a rundown of how we how we worked around training what kind of job have you been working here the last few months so prior to prior to pro kick, I was working down in Canberra as a um, special needs um, like social support worker, and then when I got to Melbourne, I was working as a like a restaurant hand in a sense. I was working at the back and the front of the house, so I loved my cooking, but also <laughs> loved talking to people. So that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been and been a journey up until this point, and can't wait for the future. We're joined by Nebraska football's latest scholarship addition here, Daniel Cherney. Uh, he's all the way out in Melbourne, Australia, here on the Husker Online show. show. Um, how, how fast did this come with Nebraska? Give us an idea. We know Jonathan Rutledge, who will manage Nebraska special teams, coached Aaron Sippos. Um, at Auburn the last couple of years, did that play a factor in, in, in Nebraska kind of finding out about you? Give us an idea how Nebraska located you and how fast the offer came and your decision to come. Um, <laughs> I was pretty much a training, training one day and one of the coaches came up to me and said, look, Daniel, we've got a school. They're, they're interested in you. And we put a little film together to show them. And next thing I know, I'm talking to Coach Rutt on the phone, and he's he's walked me through his his former um, his former track of who he's coached and where he's been, and I don't know. That seemed to me like the like the 
a great way to get into the game, and he would be he would be he would be able to help me a lot in, in transitioning from a sport like AFL to gridiron, which is also which is very stop start in a sense. Um, and yeah, after that session, that one session about two months ago, we oh, two months ago, a month, one month or so ago. I pretty much said, yeah, this is this is where I want to be. This is this is where I want to go. It just seems like the most historical sort of program in college football. Um, love the idea of playing under Coach Frost. The team chemistry, the team vibe was just amazing to me. Seeing seeing all the Instagram posts and the Twitter the Twitter feed, it's just where I wanted to end up. And yeah, it finally we finally made it happen on a couple of days ago, and I'm very very excited. I'm sure, Daniel, you heard a lot about Nebraska fans, the passion, uh, just how the coverage it gets here. Your your commitment, just to give you an example, on uh, Monday night, you were on the front page of all the major newspapers in Nebraska, and obviously you were all over Twitter, social media. Did that kind of attention um, almost catch you off guard, um, just how much media attention you received from uh, announcing to Nebraska? <laughs> it definitely did, I I um, put it out before work on Monday morning, and then my phone died at work. And next thing I know, I, turn, I get get back in the car to charge it, and my phone just blows up. I was I was a bit surprised by that and taken back by it, but um, it's definitely something that's made me more excited to see, and it's just showing how actually passionate these fans are and how fantastic they are at the end of the day, and in supporting and welcoming new new arrivals and. Yeah, it makes me that much more excited to, to get down and play. Now, you're 20 years old, so you're a non-traditional um, freshman in, in, in the college ranks. I mean, do you have intentions to play college football in the, in the States for four years? I mean, what is your kind of long-term outlook as, as you look at heading here to Nebraska? Yes, yeah, so, so I'd love to play play college football for four years and also receive a um, finish my scholarship and receive a full degree. That's one of the other big things I'm, I'm coming over for. It's it's very important for me to study. I, I do enjoy my study. So I would love to love to do that as well, I guess. So, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Just play college football for, for four years, then finish my degree. When uh, when do you plan to come to Nebraska? When do you get up here for the first time? I'm not too sure yet because of the whole coronavirus thing. We're, we're working through that with a few of the coaches at the moment. So hopefully... Hopefully, I honestly, I, I can't tell you personally. Um, I think the coaches would know a bit more than me, but it all it all depends on what happens with this whole coronavirus pandemic situation. Now, I was watching your um, your video. You had a workout video for a while on YouTube, just the one that I, I think Nebraska watched. Um, and it looked like you were working out with the, the the 49ers starting punter in there. And, you know, you just study Pro Kick Australia, the number of guys that have come out of there that are now kicking and punting in the NFL. Um, how much do those guys work with you and help you uh, on your overall craft? So you mentioned that Mitch Wisnowski was there with me. He, he wasn't actually there. It was a few of the other boys that I trained with. Um, we... A lot of those boys who are in the NFL and stuff, they're often in America, but they do they do send us videos and workout videos of how they're doing and what they're focusing on at the moment, what their coaches expect to do. Um, it's more so that we work with 
our surrounding sort of peers and the other boys who are going over when either the same year as us or the following year. Um, and we sort of have this group group of boys who obviously are receiving scholarships and we sort of work off each other and, you know, challenge each other at training, say, like, who can kick a bigger ball or um, who's got the better hang time, who's got the better distance. And that always helps to have a, that friendly sort of um, battle. So... <laughs> Yeah, Nebraska's in the uh, the Big Ten Conference. I noticed that two other guys that work with you have also committed to the Big Ten, one to Michigan State and one to Ohio State. Have you guys already talked about you'll get a play against each other and see each other for the next few years as well? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so, yeah. We've, we've gone through that. We've gone through the schedule. Yeah, we're looking forward to you know, a friendly little property starting. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very exciting time for, for Pro Kick and, and the Big Ten. It's yeah, so it's looking like a lot of the teams actually have boys from pro kick at the moment in the big team. So it'll be a good, good little competition. I didn't ask you this earlier, but describe your abilities. I mean, if you were to kind of, I mean, I was watching your film and it looked like you could hang time the ball anywhere from 4.8 to 5.2, 5.3. I mean, what is your kind of average hang time, um, your average depth on punts? Or can you rugby style and and traditional punt? I mean, give us an idea of what you'll bring to the table here to Nebraska. Um, I, I believe, like, it is good to, you know, just let, let, let my own work do the talking. I don't, I don't think I'll go into depth on, on what I think my own abilities are, but I am capable of doing um, the rollout, rollouts and the spirals. So it depends on the weather and what sort of the situation, what situation is at hand, and that will pretty much vary up what I'm going to be doing. And seeing as I can do both rollouts and spirals, I, I do think it's I'm pretty, um, how do you say it? Versatile. Versa, yeah, versatile. So uh, that's yeah, that's all I can really really say for that one. Now, have you bought yourself a Nebraska shirt yet? Have you gone online, ordered anything yet? I'm sure you don't have any Husker gear yet. Have you been able to at least locate some Husker gear and get some sent out your way? I've got a ball. I've got a ball, but shirts wise, I haven't haven't ordered them yet because I was I was a bit worried that they wouldn't be able to get through through the borders with the whole coronavirus issue at the moment. Uh-huh. Um. I might, I might try and jump on now that my scholarship's been accepted and, and I'm, I'm through on that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if he gets through. Now, will you do kickoffs too or just punt? I mean, what do you, I mean, do you have an idea if you'll, you, you're able to do kickoffs as well or do you want to just focus on punting? Um, I'd love to. love to do kickoffs if, if possible, if I'm, if I'm at that level of being able to do them. Yes, I'd, I'd like to do them if possible. And now, now, most kickers get a reputation of not being guys that like contact. With your Australian football background, are you a guy that it's you're probably not afraid to hit somebody either, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I, think, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit different with the pads on, but um, yeah, definitely not afraid to get hit. So you, you're, you won't be afraid to make a tackle is what you're saying if a guy gets down the field by you? No, definitely not. Well, Daniel, we appreciate uh, we appreciate the time. Um, I know um, the time zones are different, and you're very busy with training and work. So, uh, congratulations and thanks again here uh, for the time here joining us on the Husker Online Show. 
Uh, thank you very much, Sean, and thank you, Husker Nation. I'll see you all soon. All right. Well, that was Nebraska's latest punter edition. Daniel Cherney joining us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. When we come back, we'll be joined by Nebraska's newest quarterback edition, Henrik Harburg. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and, you know, we, we've had a, a nice run here. We, we just heard uh, from Nebraska's latest punter edition, Daniel Cherney, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. We're going to be a little bit closer to home here now, though, as uh, our next guest is uh, right down the road, about two hours from Lincoln and Kearney. Uh, he's Nebraska football's latest and newest quarterback recruit, Heinrich Harburg, uh, out of Kearney Catholic. First of all, Heinrich, congratulations on your decision uh, to commit to Nebraska. Um, I'm sure it's just a relief to kind of have all this behind you now. Yeah, um, you know, it was a relief to, you know, kind of start to focus on, um, you know, my high school um, football team and hopefully having a great senior year. Heinrich, I know that you had you know, said that you had ideally wanted to wait until maybe the end of June or so um, to, to make a decision, but uh, you know you got the Nebraska offer about a, a week before you ended up uh, committing to the Huskers. What was it that, that kind of, you know, I guess made you decide, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to go ahead and make my decision? Well, ever since the first spring practice that I had attended, um, I kind of knew, um, you know, Nebraska was at the forefront of my mind. Um, I was gonna try and wait and take a couple of visits, um, but it didn't. It didn't like look like um, I'd be able to take those until, you know, no one no one really knows. So, um, you know, and then the conversations I've had with Coach Frost, Coach Lubick, and Coach Reduska have just been um, outstanding. Just the quarterback development side of it, um, and how they plan to use me. We're joined here on the Husker Online Show by Nebraska's. Uh, 2021 quarterback recruit Heinrich Harburg out of Kearney Catholic. Heinrich, um, you know, when you got that Nebraska offer, um, you were sitting with just one Power 5 offer before that. It was Boston College. Give us an idea uh, of just how that one move, that one offer from Nebraska just lit things up for you as far as new offers. And, you know, you had some teams even like Clemson and Iowa um, that got on the phone with you right away. Just kind of run us through that whole process. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of teams um, that were that had contacted me before, and they were all kind of waiting to see. Um, you know, it, it's hard for um, it's hard to recruit a kid from you know a small state um, if they're if the in-state college hasn't offered already. Um, I feel like that's one of the hardest parts of being recruited um, in a in a lower population area is if the in-state college hasn't offered. Um, a lot of schools are going to wait until they see that they've done that because they think that they that the in-state college has info on on the recruit that they don't. So you you kind of mentioned that you've got a, a pretty good relationship with Coach Frost and Verduzco and and even Coach Lubick. Um, you know, I guess what was their reaction when you when you went ahead and made that decision? And and give us a little insight on on exactly how they do plan to use you. Yeah, so you know, Coach Frost had called and you know we we talked probably every day for the last week or so and he you know he just made it clear look you know take as much time as you need um you know if you want to take your visits go ahead and take them um but if you commit we want you to be all in um and so you know that 
I mean, their willingness to wait on me was a huge factor in that, in knowing that, you know, they wanted me. Um, but then, you know, Coach Reduzco, um, he was he was stunned. You know, he couldn't say anything. He was so excited <laughs> because he didn't think I'd commit this early. Um, you know, he was really hoping. You know, he he kind he kind of told me a couple times, "Hey, go ahead and pull the trigger." Um, I told him, "Look, I'm going to wait. Um, make sure that it's the right decision." Um, and then, really, uh, the the youth side. Um, you know, a lot of it came from Coach Lubick. Um, you know, I'd had a couple conversations with him um, and how when he was at Oregon, they had developed and um, used Justin Herbert. Um, and that's, you know, it, that's kind of the way that they see me playing. Um, almost a Justin Herbert, um, Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, the, they that's really what made me so confident in their ability is their track record with Coach Frost developing Marcus Coach Lubick developing Justin Herbert, um, and so them utilizing me like those two was a was a huge deal to me. Yeah, Heinrich, I think a lot of people don't realize just how big and how athletic you are. Let, let's run down some of the numbers. You're what you're six five, is that right? How much do you weigh right now? Yeah, uh, one ninety five. And then you know you have a size, I believe, seventeen shoe and a ten inch hand. As far as um, you know, just give me an idea. Maybe they see probably more growth in you as well. Yeah, they. You know, I don't think they – that's not a huge factor in my recruitment. Um, I think once you pass that 6'3", 6'4", mark, um, as long as you don't get too tall, um, I don't think they really – I don't think it really matters after that. But, yeah, there, there's potential for another two or three inches. But then your, your track numbers. I remember when I met you as a sophomore, um, you had some very impressive track numbers, even as a freshman in the high jump and the 100 meters – Give us an idea of kind of what you've been able to do even on the track, which really is a verification of athletic ability in terms of jumping and speed. Yeah, so last year as a sophomore, I ran an 11.0 in the 100, and then I high jumped 6.5. But, you know, I think this year I could have outdone those numbers by a long shot. Um, I felt way bigger, faster, and stronger. Um, You know, all that – all that muscle I'd put on um, since last track season, I feel like would have um, helped me just break those, shatter those numbers even more. Um, you know, I think I could have ran a 10-8, 10-7, um, and high jump 6-8 this year. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, now, now that you're fully in the boat, Heinrich, um, you know, I guess have you been able to to really form a connection with the current uh, commitments that are that are in there with you? And, and are you a guy that's going to be out there, kind of pure recruiting and, and and trying to get others to join you? Yeah, um, you know the commits. Um, you know Henry and Teddy were really the ones that reached out first. Um, as soon as I got the Nebraska offer, you know they were. You know, they already reached out and, you know, had my number and Snapchat and everything. Um, and, I mean, that was a huge part, knowing that those two, you know, would be there um, as offensive linemen. Um, you know, so that was big for me. And, yeah, um, you know, I'll I'll play – I've already started to um, – the coach the coaches have kind of given me a couple of guys to reach out to, and there's a couple of guys that, um, you know, I've had previous contact with. We're joined here by Heinrich Harburg on Husker Online, Nebraska's 2021 quarterback recruit from Kearney Catholic. Uh, Heinrich, I wanted to ask you about um, just the challenges of of being recruited as a quarterback in the state of Nebraska. And I I think you followed a a pretty good path 
Noah Vedral, you know, he went out and, and got a lot of instruction and, and, and really did all the necessary steps to get to this level. And, um, you know, it was Noah's dad, Mike Vedral, that told us about you after your freshman year as a guy to watch. I mean, g- give us an idea of all the things you had to do to learn the footwork, to learn the mechanics, to get to this point. Because it is not easy for a Nebraska high school quarterback uh, to get to where you're at right now. Yeah, um, it was – so a lot of it was my sophomore year. Um, after my sophomore year, I went out to a quarterback trainer in Denver um, in Jenkins Elite, and they 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 really what turned me into a quarterback, not just an athlete. Um, sophomore year, um, you know, I, I could throw the ball, but, you know, I was more of just an athlete just running around and making plays. Um and then after that, you know, they really developed my footwork, my mechanics, um, into more of a quarterback that I am right now. Um, and actually that's, you know, I've been going out probably two or three times a month to Denver just to train with them. Um, and, you know, try and, you know, as much, you know, I can't go out and compete on the circuit now. And I don't, I don't really care about stars or anything like that. Um, you know, if if you live in Texas or California, you know, you're kind of guaranteed a couple more stars, um, I feel like. But, you know, that doesn't that doesn't affect me or my work ethic. Um, I'm going to work until you know, no matter if I'm not not ranked or if I'm five stars. And what are the conversations you've had with the coaches um, in terms of, you know, what, what they want to see you keep working on? Um, you know, obviously they, there's a lot about your game that they like, but have they given you uh, any idea uh, or critiqued your, your game at all, um, you know, as far as what they want to see you improve on? Coach Verduzco told me to focus on my high school season. Um, don't worry about the Huskers until I get there. Um, so, I mean, really he said, look, you know, I could try and coach it. I'm not going to focus on um, focus on your high school season. You'll learn everything when you get here. Heinrich Harburg here joining us on the Husker Online Show. Heinrich, once again, congratulations uh, on your decision to commit to Nebraska. We look forward to following you here now over your senior season. Yep, thank you. All right, when we come back on the show, uh, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as Allie Snow will join us here in studio. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm really confident in our guys' conditioning right now and the fact that they've been able to continue to get work done. Um, Obviously, that's a little bit easier here in Lincoln because this hasn't been as bad in Nebraska as some other places. Uh, But we have an idea with every single one of our student-athletes what they're doing, where they're doing it, where they are, who they're in contact with. Uh, For the kids that stayed in town, we know what's going on with them. For the kids back home, we're trying to find that, help them find solutions to stay in shape. And I think our kids will be ready to come back and, and practice. Uh, for sure when the time's right, and especially if everything opens up on, on June 1st, that'll give us plenty of time to, to get a team ready to go through a camp. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach Scott Frost on the Husker Sports Network uh, just giving his thoughts on where things are at. He, his team obviously can't have any organized workouts till at least June 1st, but he knows guys are doing what they can, and he's confident in the plan they have in place. Well, that brings it now to the mailbag as Allie Snow 
Um, are you can UNL graduate, by the way? Congratulations, Allie. Um, I know it wasn't probably the graduation Saturday you had expected or hoped for with no ceremony, but how did you spend your graduation Saturday? Well, I woke up, drank a mimosa yeah. with my roommates, <laughs> um, watched the virtual graduation, and then I still went out and took pictures because I had to do that in my hat, so... That's about it. Ordered some takeout from that Mexican place you suggest. Copel, right? Copel, yes. It was it was really good. Had the guac, uh, chicken quesadilla. It, it was a good day. All right. Well, congratulations. Um, let's get on to the mailbag now. What do you have to start us out with? How big of an impact does Eduardo Andre make this year for hoops? And the twenty is the twenty twenty class filled. Well, yes, the class is filled unless there is any further roster attrition, which at this point uh, is not expected. Uh, So they are set. They have their scholarships filled, and uh, the roster is complete. As far as what Eduardo Andre's role is going to be, uh, he told me when I interviewed him this week that he fully intends on playing right away as a true freshman this coming season. Um, He has no interest in a red shirt, and so uh, he'll play probably spot minutes, um, you know, probably a handful as a rotation guy. Uh, but you know, he brings something to the table that nobody else on the roster brings. And that's as a rim protector, uh, he prides himself on his defense. So, uh, as he continues to develop, maybe those minutes and that role will continue to grow, but, um, he's going to have an impact right away, no matter what. All right. You're listening here to the Husker online show, taking your questions in the mailbag. Did Nebraska bring in the best special teams in the big 10? Um, as far as recruits go, I mean, they've done a nice job. I mean, you can't really be too critical. Uh, Daniel Cherney coming in, um, he could, uh, you know, help their – I mean, just think about Nebraska's punting and kickoffs, how poor they have been. They have not gotten hang time. They have not gotten great depth on punts. And they have not consistently kicked the football through the end zone. Well, I think they've improved all three of those areas. We still don't know who the place kicker is going to be. We know there's a lot of new names on the roster. Uh, Chase Contreras from Iowa Western um, you know, might be the front runner today, but there's going to be a couple more legs coming in. Nate might know more about that. Yeah, I think that Chase Contreras is probably the front runner, like you said. It, I mean, anytime you can add a junior college All-American um, you know, as a walk-on, an early enrollee, um, you know, I, I think that you, you got to feel pretty decent about his chances to, to go ahead and win the job. But there are going to be uh, – I mean, I know there's a couple other kickers. Uh, you got one out of Oklahoma um, who is a place kicker, punter, and kickoff specialist. Um, you've got a, a punter from IMG Academy in Florida that's walking on that, uh, that Coach Rutledge recruited after he got here. I mean, there's going to be six or seven specialists at least uh, that, are, that are walking on in addition to uh, Daniel Cherney getting the, the scholarship. So that is quite the flip um, to, to you know, hopefully help Nebraska's woes at special teams. Which Big Ten teams do you think are the most likely candidates for big swings and win totals in 2020? Oh, man. Um, I mean, Nebraska could maybe improve by one or two, obviously. Um, are you talking about just improvement or, or, or downfalls? I'd say improvement. Improvements, okay. Um, I mean, in the West, I don't see a lot of movement other than you know a win here or there. Um, in the East – same thing. I mean, I think it's – I don't see a ton of seismic shift from where things were at a year ago. I'd be surprised if Indiana um, won eight games again. Um, they had eight and four a year. Maybe they're seven and five. Um, they had a really, really good year, but they lost um, their offensive coordinator. Their strength coaches are gone now to Alabama for Nick Saban. Um, I, I don't know, guys. Uh, anything off the cuff for you as far as big improvements? Not – 
necessarily. Uh, you know, I think the other way around is kind of the way I see it. Like, you know, what what's Michigan's situation going to be? Obviously, they're replacing, uh, you know, a lot of players, especially. Um, you know, they had almost just as many draft picks as uh, most any school in the conference next to Ohio State. So uh, they have a lot to replace, and I'm curious to see where that goes. And the same thing with Wisconsin. I mean, they lost one of the greatest running backs statistically. And Iowa lost a lot of draft picks. So, I mean, I think that is kind of more where you're looking as far as teams making a big jump forward. How many of the teams that were at the top are going to struggle to repeat um, you know, their previous success despite losing so many players? Yeah, I think you could see some teams at the top maybe lose a couple more games than what they had been. Uh, or what they did last year. Um, and to me, I mean, I, for, for this question in particular, I always probably start at the bottom. You know, I, I think anything you get out of Rutgers or Maryland um, is, is an, a little bit of an improvement there. With Rutgers, obviously they have Greg Schiano. I think that's like news that everyone forgot, you know, just because yeah. of all that's happened. Uh, but he's brought in nine transfers, and obviously Noah Vedrill is going to compete for the starting quarterback job. So, you know, they have probably the biggest way to go up. So maybe just by default, that, exactly. that answers them. Lovey Smith and Schiano become – the uh, the transfer haven schools in the that's Big right. Ten. I mean, that, that's kind of the formula they're going to have to use uh, to get recruits unconventionally. All right. Do you guys remember or did you cover the recruiting battle between Nebraska and Notre Dame? Would Tom Zibikowski have played quarterback at Nebraska or switched to defense like he did at Notre Dame? He would have played quarterback at Nebraska. Um, you know, the Solich offense was different than the Bob Davey offense back then. Um, you know, he was, you know, there, there were a couple battles Nebraska lost for quarterbacks in Notre Dame. Carlisle Holiday uh, was a big time four star quarterback from Houston that Nebraska was trying to get uh, lost on him. And then obviously Tommy Zibikowski. I mean, and you, you go back to the history of our website, the Red Sea Scrolls. I mean, the, the, you got to be some OGs on the Red Sea yeah. Scrolls to remember those days. But some of our, our members do remember those days, Nate. Well, and, and Tommy Zibikowski's sister was on the on the Red Sea Scrolls and. <laughs> And everyone would always, you know, be asking, um, you know, for for her input or insight, and she would always just uh, post wink, and and people would just go crazy because they thought that that Tommy Z was heading to Nebraska, and I mean, it did come down to Nebraska and Notre Dame. Um, this was the year before I started working at Nebraska, and, and actually, Tommy Zivikowski's probably one of the the first recruits that I like really followed closely. Um, and, and kind of immersed myself in all that. And, um, you know, I, I know that he was a guy the Huskers wanted badly, and he would have definitely played quarterback here. All right. What do you got next, Allie? What happens when we have a football season and one or two players test positive for COVID? Does, this, does that stop the entire team from playing, the team they played? I see this as a very real scenario. I can't – you know, I don't think they can really – have an answer to that until we get closer to that time. I think we learn more about this virus each and every day, every week, every month. I mean, think about over two months ago when uh, the NBA players got it. I mean, people were freaking out. I think we've learned more about who is the high risk categories, you know, how this virus operates, how it attacks. And I think as each day and week goes, we're going to keep learning more about it. Yeah, I mean, when that was all going down with, you know, uh, the Rudy Gobert and stuff like that, it was almost like a death sentence. Like people thought everyone's just going to die everywhere. So, I mean, obviously we've gathered a lot more information. By the time the season rolls around, we'll have even more info than we do right now. And I think there's going to be contingency plans. You'll probably, um, you know, depending on, you know, the severity of the case, just do, uh, if a player tests positive, they're out for two weeks. And you just basically have to have a roster that's able to handle potentially losing your quarterback or any other number of starters if that 
disease pops up. Yeah. I a big thing is the antibody test. Uh, I've talked to some people at Nebraska about this, and the University of Nebraska Med Center is working on an antibodies test that I think you know the Big Ten and Nebraska would like to use. And if you can test all the players for the antibodies to know who's had it and who hasn't just right then and there, that will be big because a lot of these players – could be asymptomatic with very minimal to no symptoms. And that is, I think, the challenge. And the antibody test would at least give you some answers on some of these guys. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you'd I think the first place you have to start is setting some guidelines and, and the protocol for what you what the players can and can't do, how careful they have to be, obviously, um, with where they're going, who they're hanging out with outside of the team. Um, and I think that's probably the easiest way to kind of protect the team. But um, like you guys said, I think as things progress, we're going to know a lot more and probably have some pretty solid protocols in place uh, to handle any type of situation that comes up. All right. What do you have here uh, for our final question, Allie? What game do you find the most intriguing next football season? Mm, well, there's a lot of them on the schedule. Um, if you go up and down, I mean – the Rutgers game now, just with Noah Vedral, um, gets your attention. Um, I don't know. I think Cincinnati early, though, if, if everything stays status quo, it's such a swing game, a measuring stick game um, that could set the tone to get Nebraska to maybe 6-1 and one or 7-0 and oh of their first seven games. And I think that game, to me, carries a lot of weight to swing the season one way or the other. I'm going to go right out of the gate with Purdue. Uh, the fact yeah. that you're opening with a conference game, obviously there's the Bob Diaco ties there, but – uh, like you mentioned, the first half of that schedule is so critical to Nebraska being able to finally get to a bowl game that they, if they're able to start off not only with a win but a conference win at home, suddenly you got some mojo going, and you follow the next week against with another, you know, in theory winnable game against Central Michigan. Getting off to a hot start like that and building early momentum is so critical to Nebraska doing what it absolutely has to do, and that's get to six wins and go to a bowl game. Yeah, I was going to say Purdue. I will pivot off that, though, and go Iowa. I think this is this is a rivalry now, and I don't care what anyone else has to say about it. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely some bad blood between these two programs, and the Hawkeyes getting Keegan Johnson last week just adds a whole other layer to it. Um, Nebraska has got to go and snag one in Iowa City from the Hawkeyes this year. So that's one game that I'm really intrigued by. All right, that wraps up the mailbag. Allie, congratulations again on your graduation this past weekend. Thank you, guys. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're in a position this year where we're getting a lot done, but uh, we're, we're going to have to sign a smaller class this year, so we're being a little bit deliberate about who we take and where and when, And uh, but we're working hard on it and making sure we're in contact with the right guys and uh, spending a lot of time on recruiting right now. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus here as we close this week's show with some recruiting talk. This segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, tell us the latest as to what's going on at Coogler Vision. Yeah, exciting news at Coogler Vision as they are now able to do elective uh, procedures, which means they can help you correct your vision. And what's what the best part of it all really is the fact that you can go in and get a consultation that's virtually touch free. Um, you know, they can they can map your eyes and do a, a, a video teleconference uh, consultation, so uh, they can see exactly. Uh, 
how they're going to help you see better uh, without really even getting um, in front of somebody. So it, it is perfect, and I encourage you to go to kuglervision.com uh, to see exactly how you can set that consultation up. All right, Nate, lots going on in recruiting. Let's start. Uh, we just heard from Heinrich Harburg here um, in our earlier part of the show um, and just the addition of him getting that quarterback spot done. I mean, just his, in a normal year, history tells you you don't really want to be deep into May without a quarterback. And it was getting to that point. You know, if if they didn't get Harburg and it went into the summer, um, it kind of would have been dicey at that point for Nebraska. How big was it to get the quarterback locked up here in mid-May? Yeah, it was huge. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, they this is probably – all the farther they really wanted to go without getting a little nervous about things, you know, uh, on the other hand, though, I do know that um, they obviously like what they've got in their room and, and they have kind of approached this year's quarterback recruiting, um, you know, with a, uh, taking it kind of slow and, and being pretty deliberate with it all. But, um, you know, after they offered Heinrich and he said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to wait until at least late June or early July until I make a decision. Um, you know, I, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh boy, this, <laughs> this could get interesting because, um, you know, really they, they offered Heinrich and then they offered uh, Riley Leonard, a quarterback out of Alabama on the same day. Um, you know, and, and I do think that maybe that, that other offer to Riley Leonard uh, kind of maybe helps speed things up a little bit. But you, as you heard, you know, he, he knew where he wanted to go. And, and I think that, you know, after taking a week to think about it, it, it made sense to go ahead and jump on it. And, and uh, I'm sure the Nebraska coaches really appreciated that, too. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show um, as we talk quarterback now, Nate, or uh, recruiting, Nate, let's talk class size. Um, you know, it's been a discussion. I think we've been so used to the last three years of taking these 25 man full boats. Um, looking now forward, um, and you start to kind of look at the numbers and, and look under the hood. Uh, 25 is really not a reality this year uh, because most of the attrition is done on this roster. I mean, they've kind of cleared things out. This is Scott Frost's roster, especially when you get to 2021. You've got 15 seniors um, if they take a grad transfer wide receiver. Um, maybe three to five guys attrition. Um, so realistically, you're looking at maybe 18 to 20, um, you know, guys that they could sign this year. It is going to be a much smaller class than we thought. Yeah, it is going to be a lot smaller. And, and I think that's – I mean that's a good problem in the grand scheme of things because it means that you're you're not a revolving door. You're not having tons of players coming in and immediately leaving your program anymore. And uh, you mentioned it; they they've done the house cleaning um, and and they've signed the appropriate number of guys. And and now things are kind of getting back to a, a normal cycle where um, it's not going to be a full boat every single year. Now I, I do think that we'll probably see closer to twenty uh, signees than seventeen in this class. But uh, I like. Like Frost said in the open, um, since it is a smaller class, they are being a little bit more uh, selective and deliberate with exactly who they're taking commitments from at this point. You know, because you you do look across the college landscape right now, and there's some teams out there that are just trying to take every commit they can get and, and really pushing hard for early commits. And um, you know, I, I know that some fans would probably like to see Nebraska doing that uh, so that they're right up there in the rankings with some of these other teams. But um, when you're taking a smaller class, you have to be pretty selective and and uh, have a plan of attack there. You can't just take everybody all right away. How many evaluation misses, too, could you have? Because you don't have camps. Mm -hmm. You don't have the spring eval period. So 
you don't really have any real live athletic reads on a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, so to me, it is dicey to to take so many guys that you maybe haven't even seen or met in person yet. Yeah, exactly. That's why, I mean, January was huge for Nebraska to, to pretty much have their whole class wrapped up and they could see some of these guys, whether it's playing basketball or working out at school or whatever. But uh, you're right. I mean, uh, there's a long list of things that, that the, the current situation we're in is, is going to impact. And I think one of those is the, the amount of misses that come from uh, this recruiting cycle. And it's not just at Nebraska. This is going to be everywhere uh, because of the, the lack of being able to see these, these players perform in person, being able to see them uh, in their spring sports or, or having them at camp probably. That, you know, that is all up in the air still. So um, I, I do think there's going to be a lot more misses. And so that's another reason why I think you want to be pretty selective and, and deliberate with, with who you're taking into your class and, and when you're taking them because um, you, you want to try and limit those misses as much as you can. Well, another thing too, Nate, I, I like the approach maybe – going a little smaller at 20 because of potentially a one-time transfer rule that might go into effect by not this may but maybe next may Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden that would give you if there is some attrition on your roster um the flexibility um to 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 kind of add more guys um you know and and fill those spots but it will be interesting to see how that plays out but I, i think if you take 20 that does give you a a lot of flexibility um, for transfer one-time additions if they're immediately eligible. Yeah, and, and the whole other part of that, I mean, that I think that in itself is going to become an offshoot of recruiting. You know, you've got your high school players, you you've got your your JUCO players that you're always looking for to to come in and, and plug some holes. Um, and I think eventually, you know, as soon as that rule goes into effect, you're going to have your one-time transfer players that you're also going to be focusing in on. And and so uh, you want to give yourself a little bit of a cushion there to, to take some of those guys that, that may become available eventually um, you're listening here to um, the Husker online show Nate now we don't know as far as camps in June what that's going to bring for recruiting or July but you know one interesting thing that came out this week junior college coaches mm. hit the road Friday yeah. uh, they'll they'll have the ability to host people go places um, and I, I think what makes makes that possible is the California JUCOs are not a part of the uh, NJCAA, um, which is all the JUCOs but California. Yep. Um, so I, I think that was a big part of probably why that's happening. But that will be interesting to watch. Yeah, and, and it's still a state-by-state thing. But for for the NJCAA or what, whatever it is, <laughs> it, uh, to go ahead and, and to, to grant that permission uh, or kind of open things up, I, I think, is is helpful. Um, and it's helpful, I mean, not only for the coaches, but – for prospects out there too, because um, there's going to be a lot of players that kind of fall through the cracks, uh, maybe more so this cycle than than what we've seen in the last I don't know ten years or more. Um, and, and so, I think it's a good thing for the for the players. It's a good thing for the coaches uh, to to kind of get out there and, and to be able to to get on the road and see these guys. Well, lots to follow on Husker Online. Make sure you stay with us as we'll have the latest in, uh, news and updates here from not only Husker football but Husker basketball. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 